Hey, welcome to the fourth episode of the Pearl Dialogues. My name is Wazi, and today I have a conversation with Karine Ferfeld, who lives in Amsterdam. She's a new teacher in this school, but is a long-time student. And I found this episode to be very sweet, and there is a lot of beauty in the space. That's my experience, at least. And in this conversation, we have oriented it or designed it in such a way where it's more tailored to people who has who are familiar with the diamond approach and familiar with the teaching because we do not describe terminology in depth. That being said, it's only certain segments of our conversation that is oriented around this this more specific terminology uh, which involves talking about the pearl which has to do with becoming a true unique personal human being in this world we talk about diamond guidance which is an aspect of our essence a quality of our being our deeper being that guides us to deeper understanding deeper truth and we talk about boundlessness, which, ha- which has to do with transcending and going beyond our boundaries, our physical boundaries, our mental boundaries, our defined ways. We also talk about essence, which is described to be our true nature, our deeper nature, and then we mention and talk about a book called The Void, which is a book written by Almas, the founder of this teaching. And it was actually that book that had, or had a, that book had a big significance in bringing Karin into this path, the Diamond Approach path. So I just wanted to address those different aspects that we talk about for the new people who might not be familiar. As always, we have a glossary on diamondapproach.org if you want to look up some of these concepts and get a deeper understanding of what they mean. That said, it's a very rich conversation. As always, I invite you to listen with your whole being, to sense your body while you listen and to be in presence, be present in the moment while listening. There is some deep transmission coming through and some yeah cool stories. So with that, I'm going to leave you with a quote from Almas from the book Space Cruiser Inquiry. And it talks about the Diamond Guidance. So the Diamond Guidance is the specific manifestation of the divine mind arising in our soul as a personal capacity. It is what gives our soul the ability to know exactly what is going on and to understand our experience. Yeah, so there we are. Now, welcome to the episode. And with that, I say, Shalah, which (laughs) means celebration in my mind. Hey! Oh, I would love to open is for you to simply 
share a little bit about yourself, what you do, what you love, and where you live. Uh huh. Okay. I'm living in Amsterdam, uh, and I on the ground floor. So I have a lovely garden with a lot of sun. Mm. And I designed the garden myself. And in that garden is a garden house in which I started recently my practice, Soul Garden, in which I receive uh, students of the school as I'm a, a beginning teacher. I'm ordained one year ago this week. Mm. It's very celebrative to mm. me. And uh, clients for shock and trauma therapy. Mm. And that work, um, yeah, is, is what I love. And I hear myself saying what I came for uh, this lifetime, this, this life. Mm. Yes. And you also do couple therapy? Is that it? Yes, I do. Yeah, I also do couple therapy. Yes. And a couple of years ago, I used to give a group with couples, with a dear friend of me who also was in the school. Mm. Um, and that is also very beautiful work. The field of a couple and how the field of a couple is defined by both their backgrounds and histories and, and their souls, of course. Yeah. I was reading on your website and when I saw the word soul garden, it really resonated with my heart. I really enjoy the reading yeah. that. And you say that, or you spoke what I came here for and what you love to do. So what I wanted to ask you is, as human beings, it seems like we find certain situations where we find ourselves to be more in our element and it seems like you in your element is working with people would you share a bit about when you feel an element and and where do you find yourself that you feel in your element in life in general mm -hmm. well i'm i'm born with a very strong curiosity mm. uh, and at, i really experience it as an inborn essence an inborn quality, the yellow, and whatever, no matter what happened in life, it never left me. So I'm super curious. Uh, and in the Netherlands, it's very normal to ask each other a lot of questions. But I noticed in other cultures and also at home with my parents, it was not always appreciated to be so curious to and what I'm most curious about is, is, is people, how people are, how they live, how they navigate life, how they, how they navigate trauma. For example, I was intrigued as a child how people after the war would pick up their lives. How could they, you know, after the Second World War, I'm talking. Um, you know, imagine you have been in a camp, in a concentration camp. You are one of the very few survivors. You're liberated. You don't expect it to be liberated. You are liberated. And then what? So I was intrigued by that question, how to go back home. And yeah, it touches me when I talk about that already now in, the, in, the, in this podcast. Mm. But that was very intriguing to me as a child. 
uh, in my puberty, in my studies. How how do people do that? And um, yeah, so that curiosity brought me, of course, also to um, to shock to being a shock and trauma therapist uh, for years and do all kinds of educations around that. I was an early, I was early uh, um, teached by working with the body, somatic experience, they call it now. I was taught um, to work with all the layers of, of a human being, the soul, the mental uh, layer, the emotional layer and the physical layer. So I, I realized now that I was very lucky to have met that kind of training early on. It was in the, yeah, in the 80s. Mm. Yeah. And for many years or decades, I, I reckon you worked within that field and you still with, work with that, within yes. that field, but then eventually you enter the diamond approach. Yes, I worked in that field for years and it's very interesting because at a certain point I noticed that, um, you know, I, I see trauma as wounds. Mm -hmm on all those levels and then you can kind of heal them into scars and they might you know eventually come up again or be triggered but what i noticed amongst my clients is was that they after healing their wounds the question arose how to live how to live a happy life because a wound or a trauma or you know even your history can become such a heaven heavenly identification Heavy identification, yeah. <laughs> heavy identification, my English, yeah, I'm, when I'm touched by what I'm saying, I, I lost my English a bit. Mm. Uh, it can become such a heavy identification that yeah. as soon as that's resolved or healed, yeah, like the same question, like how to live, how to, how to enjoy life, how to, what's important in life. So I noticed those questions arising in my, within the group of my clients. And, and that was a big, it was a lot of emptiness afterwards, a lot of void, a lot of all kinds of different emptinesses. So I came across the book of Hamid, The Void, and I was so struck by this book. Because I was looking already for a year into, you know, people writing about emptiness, about you know, that kind of thing, and I couldn't find it. And then there was this, it was not such a thick book, you know it? Yes, I do. And it was like, wow, this guy knows so many kinds of emptinesses, and it was super helpful to uh, to start asking clients what kind of emptiness they were experiencing, and to navigate those spaces also within myself. And um, it was also the period I started to become a student in this school. Mm. Yeah, it was the um, 2004 I started, yeah. 2004. 2004, yeah. yeah. It's nice to tell, I started in Dance One, a Dutch group. Mm. And it, was, it is still led by Jessica Britt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was very happy that, uh, that's still very happy that she is our lead teacher. Mm. Yeah. I, can, I, I can understand yeah. why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I can understand why. Yeah, she's from the, I think she's from the first generation of teachers. Yeah. You know, she started well, with Hamid and 
it's very palpable in her teachings to me and yeah. and you know and everything else that she has done <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm curious to ask what do you feel that you've discovered after diving into this for many years having that natural curiosity about um, how people like living in this world and how people also move out of a traumatic situation into living again normal life so to say so what do you feel what's the wisdom in that or what have you discovered in that discovered, yeah good question well first of all that on an instinctual level uh, people want to survive at all costs so the soul has a very strong drive to to stay in this, to stay in the body, to stay alive, mm. and um, the resiliency of that force is enormous. The enormous resiliency to to yeah to 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 after a big wound or a big a big painful period or trauma, uh, yeah, to keep on living. And later on, I learned from, I think it was a winter retreat from Hamid or a summer retreat he gave about um, optimizing force, kind of fourth instinct. So the, so our soul always tends to optimize, to look for a more optimal situation. There's a certain drive in us that wants to move on and wants to yeah, uh, express and, and expand. And um, I find that for myself very true, and also for all the people I work with, very true. And what I felt for myself, because I'm also, you know, otherwise you won't become a shock and trauma therapist. Mm. Um, I don't know if you know Bessel van der Kolk. I don't. He's a Dutch guy, but he's a, he's a professor psychiatrist in the States. Mm. Hey. was the first psychiatrist who really studied trauma, shock and trauma. He wrote a book about it. The body, the body uh, knows the score. Interesting book. And he says every, every therapist is in fact a wounded healer. And um, so also for myself, I could see how the work in the school uh, helped me to, yeah, to land in life as it is. To land in life in all its simplicity, mm. drinking a glass of water, taking a breath, sitting in the garden, cleaning the dishes, uh, and to also enjoy life in all its magic and yeah, splendor and brilliancy and, and possibility and and yeah, manifold of forms and, and manifestations and the songs. You asked me to choose one song, yeah. <laughs> only one song. There's <laughs> <100%. laughs> so many songs that are applicable to, or to this interview, to this work. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, that's what I learned. And basically what I'm hanging out with a lot these days is, is exploring presence. The wonder of present, being present, and um, yeah, what presence actually means. So yeah, that's that's, um, and it made me these days. I'm now twenty years in the school, something like that. 
I feel so uh, simply present and happy and connected without doing anything or um, initiating anything. It, there is this, this, this landing in daily life as it is and be, yeah, be happy, be present, be um, in wonder with it mm. and still being curious. Curious towards um, towards the mystery, towards the mystery of what life is. Hmm. Yeah. And what would you say manifests now as you speak? What is happening in your body and your being right now? A good breath. <laughs> so I do yeah. a good breath. So I take a good breath too. <laughs> yeah. When I say mystery, it I I love that word. It it touches me. When it touches me, I can feel my heart and my, yeah, my belly. And I feel a lot of dynamism in it too. A lot of logos, a lot of, um, yeah, life energy, actually. Mm. And at the same time, I, yeah, I sense my arms and legs and, yeah, I'm sitting here in a certain quietude with you too. Yeah. Hmm. And it can all be at the in this moment that it's all included. Yeah. And before we came on, we were speaking about the shift from being in retreat and being in the world and the consideration that we are human beings, so we have our limitations, we have our um, patterns, we have different depths of realization and different availability of presence. At times we might feel more agitated, at other times we might feel more in flow. You mentioned that you have a particular curiosity about how to embody depth of being in daily life if i understood you correctly yeah yeah well well and how to what what presence means and how yeah. you know how presence can deepen mm. and that yeah that's what this month this month this year i'm busy with hey. um, and w w how would you describe your current or your con your your life in this moment in which if you were to include both the I mean, from what I gather, in this process, in this process of spiritual maturation, we're all faced with both challenges, difficulty, and simultaneously we experience um, expansions, new insights, revelations. So it seems to be an alchemical process and integral to that process. We both have the struggle. Yes. And the... Uh, times of flow where the insight comes effortlessly and we feel at ease life flows easy how how do you see that in yourself and what is your understanding of that process yeah well in this moment what i'm noticing after 20 years is that the flow of life is more daily it's more a daily flow so it really takes time to um yeah, to integrate and realize 
you know, the essences itself, uh, certain aspects of the, the pearl, the pearl which I loved. I loved the whole pearl teaching and the work around narcissism, and then of course the boundless teachings. Um, and it really, it really took me time. I think everybody, but it took me a long time to. To, to come to this level of, of simply daily living. And um, part of my day, I'm still working. I have a job at Amnesty, Amnesty Netherlands, uh, in order to have an, um, a stable income because I'm still doing a lot of retreats, having mentoring with a new group of teachers. Um, yeah, opening up my practice again more. So there is this this simple simplicity in daily tasks, daily schedule, and I, I mean, for example, the super ego is hardly there. Um, and what I'm noticing when the ego comes back, it's basically when I'm at at amnesty and it's busy, a lot of people. When I'm in business, so to say. Mm. I have also a very strong organizational business side developed over the years. And um, to see it, to feel it, to stay with it. I am always aware of it these days. And to see how I cannot um, drown myself in it. A couple of years ago, I would be drowned in stress or be totally overwhelmed. or And now it's more, okay. There's a lot of stress here, <laughs> so I can witness it more. Okay. So the witness in me has become much stronger and is still growing and unfolding. And when I'm triggered by something, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's easier for me to ask for support, to do inquiry with my friends. Uh, I love doing inquiry. I, it's a daily thing for me in daily practice and um, or going to one of my teachers and ask them for help and and uh, yeah bring more understanding and clarity towards it but as soon as I'm triggered or there is there's there is a strong ego reaction or reactivity uh, first of all to be present with it okay Karine this is what's happening sit down, look at it and sense yourself and I think that's that's a big gift of this work to yeah, to have that more in my daily awareness available yeah and what you speak about in terms of you say that from what, what I hear that when you're at work and you're surrounded by you're in an environment that is not presence oriented it can more easily activate or our personality or we live in a field that is more stressed which has an impact on us as human beings that's my observation in myself at least i work part-time in a in a primary school okay are you a teacher yeah or <laughs> I'm a substitute teacher at the moment. I'm just I'm a substitute teacher, uh-huh. and also with with childcare and different things. Uh-huh. And I do notice that when I enter the school um, and I enter the organizational environment, generally 
it does generate more stress in my system. And then when I can come back home, there is an unwinding that happens and a recentering, you could say. I do apply the practices and so forth while I'm at school. That said, the environment still has an impact on me. And yes, it does. Yes. Uh, no, that's my observation, at least. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So. Um, Maybe the question here is what kind of impact? And when you talk, I'm reminded of the very first time I was in Dance One. In and Dance I remember one. the very first time meeting Jessica. Hey. Jessica was walking through the corridors of our retreat center, and I was in awe with her presence. There was this, there was, you know, we were a big group, we were like 150 people or something like that. And there was this ease, simplicity, rest. Um, yeah, she was giving this teaching and, and then she did Q&A with 140 people and she was so to the point, laser beam sharp, to the point with everybody. I was like, wow, how is she doing that? What is the secret? That's where my curiosity to become a teacher started. But how, how, and also the other teachers that came to Dance One, my own teacher, Lauren Armstrong, so present, so, so um, yeah, impeccable, present, and so attuned. And Emma Hummelen, which is my private teacher here in the Netherlands, same. I was amazed by that. And then I met Hamid. <laughs> and I, you know, I for 10 years, I organized a summer retreat in, uh, in the Netherlands. And then he was sitting there in front of 600, 700 people. And he was so, um, yeah, simply being present, being himself. So it was, it was, yeah, it's amazing to... I ask myself also these days, and it, it will be a continuous unfolding inquiry. You know, what does it mean to be present? How, how am I present at Amnesty, for example? And, and what do I bring there? And how is my present impacted? And what I'm noticing these days that uh, being at the office, also after Corona, I don't know how it was in your country, but we were for two years mostly at home, working from home. Mm. Um, yeah, to feel a certain uh, yeah tiredness, I think objective tiredness of um, yeah working a couple of hours in an office with a lot of people. Yeah. Mm. So what I hear you saying is that over the journey or the arc of you being in the school, you see how you've arrived at a deeper sense of simply being. And you have also, you also still recognize that when you move into environments that are more where you have to do or that there is certain expectations or you have to um, work in relationship with people who are not necessarily oriented towards presence, that can create or that in of itself is a challenge as uh, generally for human beings to 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 step into that um 
what? Uh, I feel... Would you say that is accurate for you in terms of how you experience it? Uh, yes. And I, I remember last week I was very uh, agitated by someone who didn't do her work in a way I... And then I go to the toilet <laughs> and sit and take some breath. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of, yeah, I find it a very helpful way. I learned that early on, way before I, I know this school and this work. I think I learned it in my shock and trauma uh, education. You know, to step back, go to the restrooms and and just just take a couple of minutes to really? sit. Yeah, yeah, to sit and and breathe and um, yeah that that comes more naturally to me these days mm. and i see it i see myself getting caught i see myself um, becoming reactive hey. yeah hmm. and that's yeah maybe that's good to say i see that I found it a very important and still interesting, very important part of the work. The question, who do we take ourselves to be? Yeah. I, and it took me really time, the first six, seven years in the school. Like, what do they mean with that question? What, what, what is this? What is in this question? <laughs> and then, of course, in the unfoldment with the Pearl work, um, and the work on identifications, you know, that in our ego structure, how I, we identify ourselves with. For example, I identified myself with being a mother of two children. There was a very central, strong, strong um, identification. And, and how that um, limits and imprisons us, how it's, Totally feels, feels. Yeah. You know, I was very proud of myself. I was a mother having birthed two children. This body did it, hey. and I loved it to you know to have them and to to whole new world opened up with school and our parents with other children. Well, you are working on a school, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I loved all the stages of school and. Yeah, but but I am. That's not that's not who I truly am. I am not a mother with two. I have two children, or they came through my body. But I'm. That's not my true identity at all. Right. So that that I found it very. I found it very confronting, very confronting, but also very um, cleansing to to. To break, yeah, it's really for me that that breaking that mother identity was a pretty, it was a tough one. It was a tough one, and um, so that I find that a very, very important part of our school and very rare in spiritual work. You know, those first ten years that you really work on narcissism. Who do I take myself to be? Um, what structures am I in? Um, I, for years, I saw myself as a Second World War generation person. Very dramatic. I had this history, my mother and my father. And, and um, it also took me time to, you know, to see that 
millions of people have that history, yeah. and um, especially in Europe, of course. So, so to to really the work on ident identification, I find it very important and very. I can now feel the lightness about it. And I see how serious I was and how identified and how um, and, and how difficult it was to open it up and to be confronted, to have my teachers confront me. And uh, scary too. Very scary too. I found it very scary to lose my mother identity. I literally felt, it's not so long ago, it was a year ago, I literally was so afraid that I would lose contact with my children. Hey, mm, interesting. I, I, you know, that they could do without me or that, and they can, I mean, I'm sure they can, but that's, and, and I still sometimes, last week I was having dinner with my daughter, Julia, and her partner. I look at them and it feels like, who are you? Julia, who are you? Who, who do I have in front of me? Hey, so there's a freshness there. Yeah, and, yeah, fresh and curiosity, yeah. Fresh and curiosity. It reminds me of my relationship with my own mother. I had a conversation with her lately, uh -huh. where I, come to, I came to stay for, with her for two weeks due to a situation in my, uh, where I live in my apartment. And she went into the same habit of trying or um, making sure that everything was all right with me or kind of ah you should do this or you should do that don't forget to don't forget to all of these things yeah so i sat down with her um and i i told her uh, dear mother you've been so dedicated and i know you love me so deeply that said, I don't need that. I don't need that energy anymore. I don't need you to take care of me in that way. I've I've grown out of out of that, and I know that was relevant at, at a certain time when I was fifteen or maybe twelve and ten. However, where I'm at in life now, I can take care of myself fully in this way. So we had a very beautiful conversation. Good. She could take it in. Yeah, she received it. She received it deeply. And we had a very um, peaceful conversation where it landed in her. And I know from friends in my own circles where their mother is, is, is stuck being a mother to a 15-year-old or a 10-year-old or an 8-year-old in, and haven't renewed themselves like they're operating with the same programming that was relevant when the child was much younger yeah. so that is what i simply mirrored to my mother and i said i have a need for you to to trust in my my choice making and trust in my own process and my ability to take care of myself and i've also proven that and and that was a beautiful mirror and since then she it, it really woke up her up to something um but yeah. It really woke her up to something. So she she was receptive. I also know there is mothers who is not necessarily that receptive to these things, um, but she was, and it was a beautiful conversation. Now, um, what is also interesting for you to talk that you talk about is how how you feared losing touch with your children or losing contact with your children. 
how that was a fear and I, I can identify I can potentially identify that that is also within my within the context of my mother and and so it, it touches me to hear you say that and mm-hmm. yes yeah yeah well it's I think it's with any identification you know yeah. we have those identifications to yeah for for all kind of reasons to survive to for me, there was a strong underlying theme of self-worth, of value, mm. of the amber essence. And, um, yeah, and, you know, and there's also the objective fact that when you have children, at least 20 years, or in my, my case, it was 21 years of your life, are fully centered around their, them. You know, their needs, their, you know, their lives um you have to support and facilitate that so that's that's so it's it's very it's very inherent that it becomes an identification mm. and very unconscious very unaware but it it happens i think with any identification it to let that go any shell that breaks in us yeah brings up fear brings up um as you say, it brings up the freshness and the freedom of it. Because I last week when I had dinner with my daughter, I felt very free. I came, I left, it felt very free and very, very fresh and very um, inspirational to talk with her and him. Um, but it also, it also uh, brings up fear. Brings all the ego also reacts with fear and... Uh, who am I when I let that go? Who am I? Another strong identification I'm, I'm still working with is the doer. I have to do, I have to prove, I have to act, I have to show myself in order to be of value in this life. Um, and it took me a long time to really, yeah, it touches me to say, it makes me also a bit warm on my cheeks is to see that my value is inherent i don't have to prove it or to show it or to um, every human being brings his or her own value inherently every soul does and that's yeah i can really feel my eyes now it touches me too to say that because it took a long time before it really became a truth in my um, presence in my beingness yeah yeah thank you for sharing that I, I feel the transmission of that quality when you speak right now and yeah, I just, I just notice how it evoked that sense of inherent value inside of me Mm-hmm. yeah holding this podcast and doing a solo podcast now uh, up until now we've been doing uh, co-hosting uh-huh. uh, we've been two of us um, like I told you before you came on and doing a solo podcast we're going to do both you know exchange sometimes duo sometimes solo I noticed there was a little bit of nervousness in myself and when that tr- was triggered it it tends to bring me more towards my surface and then 
that is also linked to performance or the notion of having to create something of high quality and that that is linked to my value and my significance so then having you bring in your experience with with value and your understanding of value and how that is descended more into its inherence and it's the essential dimension of value very much put me in touch with that in myself and with that i notice a deeper sense of relaxation and less you yes. could say subconscious narrative around making this look a particular way or performance or for it to become something special in the sense of more from the mind right so that we can simply yeah <laughs> that's sit that. here together yes Yes, and it, for me too, it brought in a huge relaxation, as you say. And also a deep sense of being connected. Mm. Yeah, I remember after my uh, divorce and then later when my children left home, I felt very lonely. It felt very, at, at times, very lonely and very lost. And also having to do with that mother identification, of course. Mm. And like, what, what next? What now? I had work, I had my practice, so I had this school. But, but still, there was this, this uh, loneliness. And um, yeah, the more I open up to my own inherent value, and the loneliness uh, is gone. There is, a, is, is, next to relaxation, there's also a sense of yeah, being connected, being I love the teaching about the Indra's net. I think it was a teaching from Hamid last summer that we, I feel the, being connected to that whole net of points of light, being one of the points, simply being one of the points. And there are so many other points around me. If I meet them physically or not, they are there. Like you are there. I feel you, I, I feel your light, I feel your the depth of your soul and yeah mm -hmm. so I so connection in itself also becomes more um, daily more um, yeah part of being part of part of presence yeah and that and that I find that very freeing in all kind of way also very practical very practical I don't need to go to the movie with a friend I can go on my own and enjoy myself as much as with a friend, or even more sometimes. So, so all that kind of, um, yeah, yeah, situations, and 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 yeah, it makes it much more yeah, easy, light. Also, it brings also a lightness uh, in me. Yeah. Nice to talk about it. <laughs> it is very nice to talk. <laughs> it at the same it's time. So smooth and so delicious. I'm, I'm, I must say. I'm so 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 super glad I met this path. Yeah. I mean, this I find it such a big big gift. Yeah. Yeah, it brings tears to my eyes when I say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. I how us talking together, coming together, and then getting to know each other, and then through the arc of our conversation, how I feel that there has been a deepening of the connection, 
and the deepening of relaxation and the landing in the field with each other and mm -hmm. in, in my I can speak for myself I feel I've been landing deeper into myself as well while this still happening <laughs> still happening still happening yes hmm yeah. The unfolding podcast. The unfolding podcast. Open-ended unfolding podcast. Yeah. It reminds me of um, I remember when I just I just enrolled in Dance One in this school. I was so curious about who Hamid was. You know, I knew I knew that book The Void, and then he came to the Netherlands for a lecture. It, uh, it was, I think it was the lecture about his book, Brilliancy. So I thought, oh, I can give, I can be a volunteer. And, um, and I remember I, yeah, I was accepted as volunteer and I had to uh, bring him a glass of water. That was my task. <laughs> After the lecture, he was, you know, I put water on his, where he was speaking to the big group. And then later on, he was signing books. I had to bring him water and I was so excited by bringing him water and uh, my children teased me a lot with that. <laughs> oh, could you they were there. The were they there? No, 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 but I was so excited. I came home. I said, oh, I was so close to me that I could bring him water and I said, I said mom, <laughs> what are you talking hey. about? So they were very down to it. But then after that, after that lecture and after his book signing, and I saw he was just simply book signing. He was working hard because it was a long queue. Yeah. And after <laughs> that, took some time to sit with us, with the volunteers, and you know we could say something. And and we, I said to him, I find it the open-ended inquiry. I find that so brilliant of you that you, because the method of self-inquiry was already known. Mm -hmm. But that you explicitly um, named it and practice learn 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 us the practice of open ended open ended inquiry. Um, that's what I, re I was so so we had a little conversation about about uh, the beauty and um, yeah, the brilliancy of that practice. Yeah. Um, yeah, like we sit here together in an open ended unfolding of this podcast yeah and our contact mm. yeah when you when you say that it it puts me in touch with that intelligence of the open-ended inquiry and, and it kind of activate my curiosity about the direct experience of now what is yeah. happening in this very moment and also sensing into the moment, sensing into my body, sensing into the depth dimensions of my of my awareness, and yeah, it 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 kind of brought out an interest about this aspect. Would so I I, I want to invite you to do a if you feel moved to do a short monologue where you simply do. An open-ended inquiry and, and simply share what's happening for you live and direct <laughs> yeah that's fine yeah you set a timer or you want me no to... just go for it uh-huh yeah. okay 
Yeah, when I look at you and I see your, you know, to me you have a radiance in your face. I, I feel a lot of heart energy. It feels as if my heart is, um, yeah, it's bigger than my body. It's like, you have to be like this big. Yeah, and feels open, open heart. And it feels very full, very full. Um, yeah, if I sense into the word full, in what way is it full? So feel my diaphragm, my mobius. Um, yeah, it is, it's full of, of life. Yeah, life itself of the yeah, I would say vibrancy comes up. My belly is now also joining in, like I'm, I've really a big, much bigger belly than my body, so there's a boundlessness kind of opening up happening. So it's interesting, so there is this horizontal expansion and at the same time I also feel this um, kind of vertical column opening up, a very, yeah, making me sit a little bit more upright. Then it makes me feel the excitement of this conversation in my um, diaphragm, solar plexus. Uh, the intimacy of our contact it feels intimate. It feels um, also as a yeah. I feel also the dialectic of of. Uh, yeah, you saying something, I saying something, that something is moving in the dialectic field between us, enhancing new questions or bringing in memories or, yeah, so there is this, it's more, it's more like this, and this is then inter, yeah, playing, something like that. Yeah. Mm. I experience that column that's vertical. It's a bit, it's a bit, there is black in it. I would say the, 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 it's, it's a black uprising. And it's held by yeah, a bit silvery. Now I have some super ego. Oh, Corinne, you're making it too beautiful, but it's, it is what it is. So super ego. <laughs> I have super ego. Go away. It's really what I sense in this moment. I really, yeah, an expansion in my in my presence. I would say magical expansion. <sighs> I keep looking at you. Stay in contact with my eyes still. 
Thank you for sharing. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. So precious, I find. I feel this is a good time to have a song. Yeah. Hey. Curious, rich song. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Here we go. Traveling down the road, quit my job and left my home. I'm being pulled by something greater than me. And I intend to walk until my vision's clear and mind is still. Following that subtle voice within. And though I may not see the path ahead, I am confident. I'm taking one step at a time I put my heart out on the line And it will be one hell of a roller coaster ride But I am ready I am ready to shine 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 Found my genius, got the keys, activated piece by piece. Oh, I already know, and I've always got a choice. And I'm committed to this dream, despite how crazy it may seem. And I refuse to die with songs inside of me. So, though I may not see the path ahead, I am confident I'm taking one step at a time. Put my heart out on the line, and it will be one hell of a roller coaster ride. But I am ready. Oh, yes, I'm ready to shine. 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 Put my heart out on the line and it will be 
shine, ready to shine, ready to shine, ready to shine, ready to shine. I'm ready to shine, I'm ready to shine, ready to shine, ready to shine. Thank you. I call it my ordination song. <laughs> hey, beautiful. Yes, it was passed to me when I was just ordained last year. It was sent to you? It was, yeah, by a friend. She said, oh, this, this is for your ordination. Mm. And it felt so, uh, because it is an hella, a roller coaster ride to, to be in a teacher training and to um, yeah, in fact, fully expose yourself to whatever needs to open up and needs to uh, unfold and, and happen. Yeah. And then this um, then ordination, it was so, I was so touched. Mm. Our, our director, Janine Memory, announced it and I felt, you know, I was crying, crying, tears were coming down. I was so deeply, deeply touched. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for playing and singing together. Hey, dancing, singing. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. It 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 reminds me of um, what uh, what the, the the trauma researcher Bessel. A lot of people know him in the school. Bessel just said in an interview that it's so important when you coming out of a period of trauma or are in a period of trauma to dance and to sing. A very important way of regulating yourself and um, yeah staying in touch with the lightness with the, with the lightness of life the goodness of life hmm. yeah. yeah I definitely relate to that and the importance of that I don't think I would want to be here if it wasn't for joy and for lightness and and the possibility of living with that kind of lightness even even in difficult times Mm -hmm. that there is a fundamental lightness to existence that's my sense of it it is yeah, yeah. It, it can take some time to rediscover that or reveal that in you know in your own soul and yeah it takes time it really takes time yeah is there something that you would like to share about something that's either inspiring to you or that you're currently exploring in your own self or in life, anything that you feel is very fresh and alive for you in this time? This time, this moment. Yeah, what immediately comes up is um, the word diamond vehicle. 
diamond vehicle. It's still something I'm exploring a lot. What what are they? Um, how do they operate? And how? Um, yeah. So in this moment, how how do they? How are they operating in life? In in um, yeah in life in, in true nature it's a specific quality of true nature that's um that enables us that enables us in all in many different ways is there a specific one that you have explored more deeply or feel particularly connected to somehow yeah, well, in, in um, you know, practicing being a teacher, uh, it's very important to to open up to diamond guidance, the specific vehicle, um, yeah, in which, yeah, a lot of essences work, essence works together, operates together um, in bringing in clarity and precision and um, direct, yeah, direct questioning, direct knowing, direct questions to, you know, to a student or in an inquiry with another student. Um, yes, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by the, by the magic of it, that the more empty, the more open, more present I am, uh, guidance comes forth, guidance comes through. Mm. I had an insight about that yesterday, actually. Uh -huh. I had an exchange with, with someone and I really felt it activate, the diamond guidance, and yeah. with it came an insight. and. It was about the importance of being able to discriminate between the personality structure and true nature. How that is such an essential element of diamond guidance. And if, if, if the discrimination between personality or the self as personality versus the self as essence or soul, where that is not clear, that is not a clear discrimination, it, hinders the diamond guidance for, for from functioning in a very fundamental fundamental way uh -huh. yeah 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 so that yeah, was just... that, yeah it's a beautiful insight it brings me also to that whole process of uh, after the pearl and the narcissistic work work on narcissism identities what we talked about um, brings me to that whole process of emptying out yourself further emptying out of um, I've, I also, oh, I also ex ex experienced that and I'm still experiencing it as a very um, yeah you used that word before alchemical process in which you know the more the more um, yeah, I'm able to let go of structures or reactivity the more I acknowledge it and see through it or understand it where it comes from and what it 
what ego structure it serves or what identity it um, keeps alive uh, yeah the more emptiness can open up mm. and with the emptiness um, Vazi sent me an email do you want to join me in the podcast you know that that kind of new uh, I really feel that that's the way new unfoldments can happen that's also something I'm really in contact with these days I, I um, my work at Amnesty I brought it back to half of the hours I had and since I did that and really opened up my time literally also literally in the week having the afternoons for students and extra study or writing in this work um, yeah, I could. I feel literally how that um, that makes me more an empty vessel or an empty um, empty possibility for true nature to come through. Mm. It's a kind of literal, literal experience I'm having these days. Whether it be you contacting me or a new student finding me or. Um, a friend or my sister asking me to go to whatever film festival I think she asked me to to that it 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 opens up to new possibilities to um, I'm very in awe with that hey. you see it in your eyes too yeah <laughs> something similar happened to me recently like and it's so contrary to the doer in me you know for years yeah I was so my ego was so used to the idea if I want something I have to do it myself or I have to mm. make it or I have to and it's so not true. Yeah. It's so it's so oppositely true, in fact. Mm. And to, but to trust it, I had a private session about it last week with Emma. To 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 fully um yeah, lean back in that in that trust of um yeah, non-doing. Yeah. Non-doing, abiding. I see you lean back too, surrendering. Hmm. It brings in the notion of the logos, and this is something that I'm contemplating a lot nowadays. <clears throat> the, the, the concept or the idea of choice versus not having choice, and also how... I mean, fundamentally, what I feel to be my perspective now is that the universe knows best, always. Yeah. The universe knows best. So non-interference is wise. <laughs> not, not interference is wise. And also, recently, I, I, I dropped something in my life. And I was in a space of openness where I didn't have a, a particular direction. And then out of the blue manifested a new course. So I, I recently started studying craniosacral therapy. Have you heard about this? Beautiful, yes. Yeah, so that came out of the blue after I let myself die or a part of me die into a yes. space of openness. Then that came into my life. And again, I'm reminded and... Um, 
deep it, it, it has further deepened my trust and my understanding of what I, you know the universal principle or the logos or god as as the flow of existence itself and and also informing my 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 sense of self my individuality about the importance of aligning my personal will with the universal will and how that yeah. and much more i mean for every cycle of insight every cycle of process and every process there is a deeper aligning with the universe and and seeing the the truth of that the optimizing force that is inherent yeah and also with the diamond will the diamond will of life yeah and it really can come through through to you through you mm. yeah, becoming more and more uh, yeah a, fe- a vessel for for true nature and i remember that years ago i it felt to me as big words or like, what do they mean but these days i feel yeah, it, it's it's it becomes a living, a living being, a living truth. Mm. Yeah, happy to hear that you experience that too. Yeah. 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 Such a beautiful truth, huh? It's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and it is a roller coaster ride as well. I mean, I mean it, <laughs> it, it's sure. something has to die or has to has to. Yeah. Go or um, has to crack. Yeah. Yeah, cracking the crack of a shell can be very can be very painful and very mm. challenging yeah yeah needing a lot of compassion from my <laughs> from yeah. my Ritvan friends <laughs> I'm, I'm pre, can be pretty dramatic about it I can tell you <laughs> hey. yeah so well, that's that's yeah but yeah. then, then, in that whole transition of opening up, it's so um, it's it's so worth doing it. It's so oh. so much blessings come through it. Totally. Yeah. I've I've the times where it's happened to me, I've felt this tugging inside, or it usually comes through as an intuition that time is it's time to die some i mean often i will get that sentence as well or that notion that Uh this is over and it's time to leave it even even if the outcome might look promising i get this nudge and that intuition that it's time to let go and i get this image of myself laying down in shavasana and then allow myself to die or the identity to die both mentally emotionally spiritually and it's a I feel it's a blessing to to allow that process in of itself instead of resisting it and and and, and clutching on I feel okay. yeah yeah and to open us up yeah mm. yeah yeah it's a big it's a big process also with the students I'm working with now to really help them land in themselves and instead of fighting but I know so well from my own process mm. to really become present mm. with you know that ego structure or that identification or um, a problem or yeah whatever yeah mm. 
and it brings brings me back to what you're sharing there brings me back to this notion of the discrimination between ego and, and essence or ego and awareness or personality and awareness and how essential that is or how that is such a, an important checkpoint in one's personal transformation because until then our identity is so enmeshed with the personality yes and then it's difficult to witness and to to be present with because it's so entwined and entangled rather than and then that hinders that real and deep digesting or metabolizing of the content yeah 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 as you speak i think deeper into the bones of my being so to say and it it made me also aware of <clears throat> or reflect on the uh, the subconscious the ins the instinctive energy that exists uh, within us our, as organisms and the connection between instincts instinctual energy presence functioning through presence yes and more mentally controlled action what is your sense of that what is your sense of these different ways of being these different ways of uh, functioning yeah it's it's not an easy question it's a good question well when when i i sense into that mental control eh, that that habit yeah to me it feels people do that and i do that more when i'm inquiring or expanding my awareness or you know um, things open up or new things want to happen or want to die if you say you know it's time to let go or time to look into that issue and while while the instinctual nature of us um, I certainly remind you talking about shivasana yeah. So I'm going to restorative yoga. I find it a very beautiful, helpful practice. So we, you know, we have this restorative yoga. We, a lot of young people are in it. I'm always the eldest. We do this very slow, light, relaxing practice, ending with shivasana. Um, and then the, le the lesson ends. And 10 minutes later, everybody is out. I'm always so amazed, like, what's happening here? What's... And we have all the time in the world to leave the lesson. And first I thought, oh, it's because I'm older that I'm so slow and, and not so... <laughs> but lately I start watching our group and it's like immediately the instinct of going home, having to cook or whatever they need to do, I don't know, is operating, it's bang, it's there. You see it also often in groups. In our groups, we meditate. <laughs> the bell goes. Jessica told us to really wait until the last sound of the bell really is gone. Mm. And then so many people stand up and <laughs> run to the toilet. Or So this shift in... It's very strong in us, in all of us. The shift from deep meditation, shivasana, yeah. relaxation. Whoop! <laughs> functioning mm. functioning and uh, to me that's more instinctual more I agree survival um, yeah 
survival instincts. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it retreats the the how we deal with with food and with <laughs> going to our meals. Mm -hmm. I find it also very interesting to observe that. Yeah. So yeah, and that's it was very helpful the the retreat on the instincts, several retreats on the different instincts, and that we can um, open them up and rewire them for ourselves, bring presence and awareness to them. Mm. Very helpful, yes. Yeah, very important work. Do you want to do the second song? Which one would you do? I really enjoyed the one by Stromae. Is that correct? Romai. 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 Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a song about how how um, the mind, our mind, keeps us in our own hell. That's what he literally thinks. Uh, sings. My my thinking keeps me in my own hell. That's what he's singing in fr French. Yeah. Let's let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Je suis pas tout seul à être tout seul Ça fait déjà ça de moins dans la tête Et si je comptais Combien on est Beaucoup Tout ce à quoi j'ai déjà pensé Dire que plein d'autres y ont déjà pensé Mais malgré tout Je me sens tout seul Du coup J'ai parfois eu des pensées suicidaires J'en suis peu fier On croit parfois que c'est la seule manière De les faire taire Ces pensées qui nous font vivre un enfer Ces pensées qui nous font vivre un enfer Est-ce qu'il y a que moi qui ai la télé Et la chaîne culpabilité Mais faut bien changer les idées Pas trop quand même Sinon ça repart vite dans la tête Et c'est trop tard pour que ça s'arrête C'est là que j'aimerais tout oublier Du coup J'ai parfois eu des pensées suicidaires J'en suis peu fier On croit parfois que c'est la seule manière De les faire taire Ces pensées qui me font vivre un enfer Ces pensées qui me font vivre un enfer Tu sais j'ai mûrement réfléchi Et je sais vraiment pas quoi faire de toi Justement, réfléchir C'est bien le problème avec toi 
Tu sais, j'ai mûrement réfléchi Et je sais vraiment pas quoi faire de toi Justement réfléchir C'est bien le problème avec toi Beautiful, eh? Yeah. He sings literally. I, I, je pense, je pense, et par, par la pense, je suis dans, je vis dans l'enfer. Because I think I live in hell. My thinking brings me in my own hell. Mm. And, and, uh, yeah, it's so palpable in the music how it uh, encapsulated him. Yeah. I call it a super ego, a super ego song. Mm. A song about the super ego and about um, yeah. Yeah, what you say brings me, reminds me of I've been working with childcare, so youth uh -huh. being displaced uh, from their home due to different things. Okay. Many of them have a very entropic ego structure, personality structure, meaning a very chaotic mind. And that okay. particular is very hellish because the, you know, this, this, what we're talking about here reminds me or kind of brings to light also the differences of mind, how a mind can be quite orderly and quite clean and, and have a lot of refinement or in mm -hmm. other cases, particularly when you haven't received adequate holding and mirroring in childhood, how that brain and yes. the mind becomes super chaotic and how that becomes even more hellish when you're trapped because the mind itself is so entropic yeah, yeah it's very true and it, it also it I, to me it also has to do with the nervous system mm. so the more unrest the more anxiety the more uh, trauma or unsafety in childhood um, the more the nervous system brings up constant anxiety which makes the mind and the thinking chaotic mm. and, and um, yeah, not being able to fulfill tasks or to end tasks or to go from A to B or um, yes, and, and a strong, that's what I know from myself, from my childhood, very strong alienation. I felt very alienated from Um, from from daily life, from where I was, was op I was functioning, and at the same time, there was this layer between me and the world, this layer between me and others, and it, it was kind of empty and kind of, yeah, alienating, mm -hmm. so to say. Yeah. And, um, so that's that's what I yeah I can imagine that you see that with children too that there. I worked a lot with drawing trauma and drawing that's what i currently do in my practice mostly mm. i looked a lot at children's drawings uh, also with the teachers of schools because they asked me Karine, can you see something in these drawings or can you uh, see what's going on with this or this kid and uh, um, you can all you can almost see that anxiety and that that chaos You can see it in their drawings too. It's very, um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, kind of chaos. It's well, yeah, it's the way you say it. It's yeah, what you see in behavior, in how they express themselves, and um, yeah, and and also difficulty. I don't know if you see that with children, but difficulty to connect, difficulty mm -hmm. to ask for support, to say, "Hey, help, help! I don't know how to do this," or um, yeah. or the other other way around. They're constantly in. And asking for help, uh, mm. and that becomes a kind of identity. Yeah. Mm. Imbalances, different types of imbalances. Yeah. Yeah, different. Yeah, different types. And distrust, as 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 well. I see a very, very specifically a lot of distrust in life of the human beings, and taking a lot of time to trust because the trust has been broken so many times, usually by the caregivers. So natural, and what we're speaking of here really brings me in touch with uh, something in my heart and, and that is the importance of this work uh, in terms of our the development of our species the development of, of humanity this work that we're doing um, yes yeah yeah and it's a, it's a big topic basic trust big topic uh, big topic it took me years and still is unfolding in me too for example when when you know, I had pretty traumatized parents, so uh, the way they loved me and my sisters was pretty veiled, <laughs> so to say. Mm -hmm. So when someone would say, I love you or you are a beautiful woman, I didn't believe it. I heard it, I, but I, there, was this, there was this space, you know, what I talked about between yeah. what I heard and how I experienced it for myself. It could not be true. Mm. And I find it always interesting in, in movies and music and, and also with people I meet here. Yeah. How people deal with that kind of um, yeah, childhood history. How people deal with that kind of, um, for example, verbal abuse. Hmm. And one of my discoveries, it's not only my discovery, but discovery is, is that... Uh, especially daily trauma, trauma that comes back over the years, day in, day out, day in, day out. It's most difficult to address and to to heal because it is ingrained in our ego structure. It is in in the. Um, it's very difficult to 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 break that open and to separate yourself mm. out of that. And um, yeah. It was I, I was a point that I wanted to make, but I, um, yeah, it, it, it's very difficult, difficult to, to trust. That was it. It's difficult to then to trust. Yeah. Um, I remember my, my teacher, my private teachers and, and, uh, Jessica also that I was in the beginning, I thought, oh, now if I think that, or if I do that, they will throw me out of the group. You know, so all that kind of thoughts and superego, and I constantly met in private sessions or in Q&A, I always met love. I met uh, receptivity. Mm. Uh, there was always receiving me. There was always such an endless patience with the drama I brought up again and again. 
because it was a lot of drama in my childhood. So, so the, the so I found that so um, healing, and it took me a long time to to trust that and to really allowing myself to lean in in the love of um, of my teachers and the love of love of Hamid in in how he teaches us and you know all the other teachers I met over the years so basic trust is a very important yeah say game changer comes up in me it's a strange word but it, 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 it's important important key to also when you work with people that it's safe for them safe and you I think you have that with children too you have to to build up trust with them gain their trust or yeah it's 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 a real I can really feel when I say it this ah this outbreath or I can really lean here I am really at home here yeah that's that's what I basically feel in this work my soul is really at home in this work yeah touches me to say that makes me silent too silent It was a long journey, it still is a journey, and yeah, the school helped me to, yeah, to find the inner journey home, the beautiful Hamid's Bible, I call it, <laughs> inner journey home, <laughs> <laughs> the Bible, that's the Bible of the school. Yeah, I've heard that, I've heard that before, yeah. Yeah, such a, yeah, such a... Mm, so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. so deep. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast and having this conversation with me. Yeah, thank you for inviting me, Rosie. Yeah. yeah. Really good to connect and uh, explore. Yeah.